It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, we've got end-of-the-year Minnesota Vikings awards, and it could get controversial. Hi, uh, I am Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. All I know is controversial, so I'm ready for this. Luke Braun and Ron Johnson join as the show goes on. It's the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome into the Minnesota Football Party today. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Check me out there. And Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network. He's at Arif Hassan NFL. Go find his excellent work at PFN. Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings will join the show in progress. And Ron Johnson of the Ron Johnson Show joins as well. Today, we've got a jam packed show. It's Border Battle Week. Vikings, Packers, what are the keys to victory? And I don't know if anyone saw this. Locked on Packers host Peter Burkowski had a bit of a diatribe calling the Minnesota Vikings frauds. We're not here to destroy the person Peter is. We are just going to explore whether there's a way to uh, destroy his argument. So we'll get into that. We've also got end of the year Minnesota Vikings awards as we pivot into 2023. But you can find us uh, on the Locked on Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. You can subscribe on YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube. Help us get to 4,000 subscribers before New Year's Eve. Right now we're at 3970 and change. Uh, So help us out there and we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Arif Hassan, what's going on today? Hey, hey, uh, not much. I'm still in Vermont. I hope that that's okay with you. Still visiting my brother. I love these extended stays, man. That's awesome. I love that you get to spend some time with family around the holidays. Uh, the only thing I know about Vermont is that I would not know, like, the shape of the state. Like, if you showed me just a random blob, I wouldn't know if it was Vermont or a different, like, I don't like, know how like to draw right angle Vermont. triangle. Like, you know, and, yeah. and, the, and the right angle is on the left side looking at the map uh, in the normal orientation. And then New Hampshire is its, like, opposite where they just kind of flip it and just fit it right onto there, so... Excellent. Capital yeah. Montpelier? Uh, yeah. No, and yes. apparently no one cares about that. So yes. there you go. Yeah. Biggest city, I'm in the biggest city in Vermont, in Burlington. But uh, yeah. Wonderful. Capital Montpelier. Wonderful. Look Vikings play the Packers this week, Arif, um, on New Year's Day, 325, CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo. Let's start here. How do the Vikings win? What do the Vikings have to do to beat this? I don't know if red hot is the right word, but surging Green Bay Packers team. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't know that, like, surging makes a ton of sense, just because, you know, who they want, right? So they've got a three-game win streak. I think that that's, like, fair to point out. But, you know, they beat the the Bears on the way. They beat the Baker Mayfield Rams on the way. They beat a Miami Dolphins team 
where for three quarters of the game, the opposing quarterback was concussed and threw three picks that were inexplicable, that are uncharacteristic of Tonga Bailoa and, uh, and were not the product of like good defensive play, right? It's difficult for me to say that these wins are a feature of the Packers playing well. That said, mm-hmm. you know, there's increased chemistry on that defense. I've long said that that defense has been very talented and poorly coordinated, seems to be a little bit better. That offense has a little bit more chemistry with the receivers. So I get where a lot of this hype is coming from. I understand why Vegas has the Packers as three-point favorites. But I think the win here, obviously it's on the road. It's going to be a little bit different. But the win here, I think, comes from doing what the Vikings have been doing all season, making sure that they can run their offense through Justin Jefferson, uh, making the continued adjustments on defense that they've been making. Now, the biggest issue, the biggest concern I have, is that the Vikings defense has gotten a lot better over the past six quarters. We talked about it in the last episode about how much they blitz more often, how much more man coverage that they're using, how they're using their personnel that way. The problem is that Aaron Rodgers is fairly good against the blitz, right? And so if your adjustment is to bring more pressure, to bring more rushers into the lanes, uh, and the quarterback you're up against is, is particularly good against that, that does present a concern. So I think that that is probably the area that I'm most you know, worried about, you know, how that defense is going to perform. But just generally speaking, I like the improved defensive performance. I like the increased pressure rate coming from Daniil Hunter the second half of the season. I like the Vikings in this game. I think them playing their normal game is the best avenue they have to win. Yeah, tough to know Aaron Rodgers' numbers against pressure this year, whether they are representative of a decline for him or maybe just a smaller sample size, because I think he's been great against it in his career, and that holds a lot of weight. This year, he has not been pressured very much. That offensive line, without Bakhtiari for chunks, has really kept him upright. He's like fourth fewest, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dropbacks pressure this year, like 26%. Kirk Cousins is 37 for reference. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, when pressured, 23rd in passer rating. So not that great. I think it's like four touchdowns, three picks. Um, Vikings have blitzed 22 times and 12 times in the last two games, respectively, a huge increase on what they'd done before. Um, offensively, you mentioned working the ball downfield to Justin Jefferson. Weather permitting, I think that's got to be the play. The safeties for Green Bay, and I know that safety grades are a little bit dubious on pro football focus because it's it's just it's that final line of defense. So much has to happen in front of them. Um, but Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos have had bad seasons, at least from a PFF perspective um and i think the vikings already showed an ability to get the ball to jefferson against them in week one however it's a different green bay packers team arif 16 weeks between games where do you think green bay is different from week one um, like I said, I think that that defense is a little bit more cohesive. It's a little bit more coherent, I guess. I would say that they're doing a much better job of making sure that there's communication happening at the back end. Um, replacing Darnell Savage at safety has been actually kind of big for them. Getting more play out of Quay Walker has been big for them. Um, but, you know, primarily, I mean, they're an offensive team. They run through Aaron Rodgers and their ability to maintain that high level of communication that he used to have with players like Devontae Adams or Donald Driver or Greg Jennings, you know, their ability to maintain that took a, a step back this year, but it's coming back. You know, a, a couple couple episodes ago, we talked about a party foul, about hand signals and the way, you yeah. know, that, that he messed up that communication with Christian Watson. That's fair. And those, those miscommunications will continue happening until the end of the season, but they are becoming less and less frequent, right? And, you know, we're seeing Watson come online, you know, they're using his incredible athleticism as, as a means of, you know, getting over the top. That's kind of where most of Green Bay's kind of change in fortune, change in circumstances coming from is that their offense has become um, a little bit more 
uh, you know, consistent and uh, it, it's fitting kind of what we expect out of an Aaron Rodgers offense. Christian Watson, ice cold the last two weeks, didn't even score multiple touchdowns in either game. Um, so he's coming back to earth. I guess you called it. I guess you said this wasn't going to be sustainable. You were right, Arif. Stunning. Look, I'm just saying. Unbelievable. By the way, Aaron Rodgers didn't practice yesterday. Right thumb, which we knew about, and knee issues. I think he'll play. I think yeah. when you're Aaron Rodgers, you take Wednesdays off when you have a little knee soreness. Um, but it's worth noting. I mean, we've seen Aaron yeah. Rodgers over the years play through knee stuff. Oh, and, yeah, and, and and over the past two years, we've seen him play through not practicing, just kind of generally. So I'm I'm not that uh, – I guess I guess I am more concerned, right, from a Vikings perspective. I'd, uh, I, I wouldn't be changing my plans if I were them. Correct. Um, and I think that the if, – if indeed it is going to be 32 and a wintry mix, that's kind of where I worry most about Rodgers. I think he's an elements guy. Cousins, I think, I don't really know. Not enough sample size. Buffalo mm -hmm. was a great a great example. Um, and we didn't get to see him in Green, Green Bay last year. That was a big storyline. Like, how right. will Cousins, with the season on the line, handle a tough environment in tough conditions? And we didn't get to see that. It was the Sean Mannion disaster. So this year, first time Kirk Cousins has played in Green Bay since 2020, where the Vikings won. They won in Green Bay. 2018, uh, Cousins tied in Green Bay, if you remember that crazy game. So fun. he does have a history in Lambeau Field of uh, of doing some good things. Let me transition to this. Peter Bukowski, Locked On Packers host. I think we've had him on the show. We like Peter Bukowski. Mm -hmm. Peter Bukowski is a phenomenal podcaster. Um, and he is a polarizing follow on Twitter. And he is often polarizing on his show. And he leans into the Packers-Vikings rivalry. And if you saw his rant that he posted in full on Twitter, he calls out the Vikings as being frauds. He's not the only person to do this. He's not the last person who will do this this season. But he lays out in excruciating detail all of the analytics and all of the stats that point to the Vikings being fraudulent. He points to very little else. Um, he relies heavily on the numbers. And if you want to go, you know, find find the rant, you can find it on his Twitter account. And uh, I would also recommend listening to Locked on Packers because I think he does a great job breaking down his team. Um, and if you want to, you know, get enraged, you can watch the Vikings bit. But my question to you, Arif, is, okay, he points to the stats and you can't argue with that. He's got him in his holster. He's got 10, 12 stats uh, expected win loss, DVOA, yards per play. He points to all of these stats that are factual about why the Vikings are fraudulent. So how do we talk to a, a grinchy person whose heart is three sizes too small? How do we, how do we tell someone like Peter Bukowski, no, my favorite team is actually good. How do you do that <laughs> without, without falling back on, well, they have heart or they have grit. Because that's most of what the comments are on the video. There's a lot of comments. Yeah, most people yeah. just say, hey, look at the record, buddy. Well, let's go a step further. How do you form a rebuttal against Peter Bukowski in his, it's a fairly airtight analytics argument. What do we tell him if you want to make the Vikings actually look good? Yeah, well, so he fundamentally makes two arguments here, right? That the Vikings are not as good as the record by a substantial margin, right? And that the Packers, by the same metrics, are a better team than the Vikings, which I think that one is actually a much more difficult argument to make. Uh, one, I don't want to address as much just because 
Um, I don't think the numbers are there to back up Bukowski, and so it's not that interesting. So uh, with with regards to kind of, you know, obviously this is an argument I've been making all season, right? I'm arguing against basically my fundamental premise, right, that the Vikings are not as good as their record. And I think that that's okay, right? You know, a lot of teams aren't as good as their record. Some of the teams that we celebrate the most are frauds by the same metric, but that's not the argument that Bukowski is making. He's making the argument that they're just not going to be as good for the rest of the season and the postseason. I think one thing that people who make this argument need to do is to have an accounting for necessarily why this is happening for the Vikings thus far this season. If it is just variance, if it is just luck, that could be the case, but it does seem like somewhat of a weak case to make. And there needs to be some accounting for as to why variance is moving things in one direction or the other. I think another thing that Luke Braun tried to do that I got into an argument with him that is still, I think, fundamentally sound from some perspectives uh, is to take a look at how these games break down and what games are characterized by that kind of luck, right? Whether or not high leverage plays in, in, in particular situations exceed that of other lucky teams for the Vikings. And I think that while you can point to stuff like, you know, a, a fumble recovery uh, on special teams, you can point to stuff like a 61-yard field goal. Hey, fair enough. Um, you also can point to stuff like backdoor covers, like the Bears game. You can also point to stuff where the Vikings actually overcame bad luck, like the Indianapolis Colts game, right? Those are those are kind of important contextual factors. If you take a look at it from a win probability perspective, and, and, and this is the fundamental argument behind point differential, right? The underlying argument is that these games are coin flips, and if they are coin flips, then uh, we should treat them as such when predicting them going forward. That's what I've done in the past. Well, if we just take a look at the game for in the last four or five minutes, the Vikings were within 40 to 60% win probability. That number of games shrinks to about five, maybe four. It's not as many close, you know, there's an 11-0, right? There are 11 close games. It's not mm -hmm. as many close games where the Vikings were actually in coin flip scenarios. Uh, yep. And and that, I think, matters more because if you've got these backdoor covers, if you've got these close games that become close games because of some decision someone made to go for two points instead of an extra point um, to allow a touchdown in garbage time, you know, those things aren't coin flips in a lot of the same way. So I think that that's an argument that you would be able to make in order to kind of, you know, buttress yourself mm -hmm. against what, you know, Bukowski is saying. I think also... Um, it's important to know, he mentions, uh, you know, that all of these analytics come together to say something meaningful. Well, I, I, I think that we should point to the industry experts in using numbers and data, crunching them to produce results. And that's Vegas, right? The casinos are very good at determining, you know, who's a good team, who's not a good team. No one beats Vegas in the long run, right? That's the whole point. Well, and, and, and this is something that I think that he'd be partial to because the Packers are currently favored, right, uh, against the Vikings. Yeah. The, the problem is... The Vikings, if you just take a look at the point spread and who is favored, the Vikings are 11 and 4, right? If you just take a look at the number of games that they're favored versus the number of games that they're underdogs at the closing line, they're 11 and 4, right? So there is some yeah. underlying data that you need to take into account that is not being taken into account by things like point differential, by game script, by DVOA, which, by the way, I love DVOA. It is a fantastic tool. It does a really great job. It's one of the only opponent-adjusted metrics out there. So it has its place within the industry. I will say it has been outstripped by stuff like EPA per play. The whole point of DVOA was that it would combine something like success rate and a with explosive plays. And EPA per play is a much more cogent way to do it. And I'm sorry to tell you, Peter, no matter what split you use, Cousins exceeds Rogers in EPA per play. And that is the most stable portion of EPA per play, right? If you take a look at defensive EPA, that is unstable. If you take a look at quarterback EPA, that is extremely stable, especially if you include completion percentage over expected. If you take a look at it over the course of the season, 
Cousins is better than Rodgers. If you take a look at it over the course of the last six weeks, Cousins is better than Rodgers. If you take a look at it over the past three weeks, where Rodgers is on a winning streak, Cousins is better than Rodgers because Cousins has put together some of his best games ever, not just not just the season, but in a Vikings uniform over the past three weeks. Hey, what's going on, Luke? Luke Braun joins hey. us as well. We're talking Peter Bukowski. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Arif makes Did a you real... see Go the ahead. crossover that came yeah. out today? Uh, not the crossover. No, promoting it though. Yeah, yeah. No, he mentioned Ooh, that. Boy. He mentioned that 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 he and you had a bit of a discussion, a bit of a talk, a chat. A tiff. We had a conversation. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a phenomenal tease. I I think we'll need to get just an excerpt, Luke, of what went down there. Arif just made a very convincing. My question was, how do you refute someone like Peter Bukowski, who brings the stats? He brings the underlying analytics, and I think we know most of them to be true in some way. How do you refute that? How do you come back at him and say, no, no, the Vikings are actually good? And Arif makes a very good analytics rebuttal. I would say my rebuttal for more of a garden variety stats perspective, just look at total offense and passing offense. Every single team that's won the Super Bowl since the, the Peyton Manning Broncos has had a top eight scoring offense, a top eight passing offense with one exception. The Eagles were top eight total, but they weren't just outside the top eight in passing. But for the most part, you got to be in the top quartile of the NFL in scoring and passing. Vikings are seventh in scoring. They're sixth in passing. You don't win Super Bowls with your defense unless it's like every 15 years. Like every 15 years, we have a team that does that, and that's why we can remember them. Oh, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the 2015 Broncos. Okay, so it can happen. The 2022 49ers. The 2022 oh God. 49ers. <laughs> oh, you're probably right. But it's a good defense. Passing offense fuels that success in so many ways. It's an all right future. And the Vikings have, I don't know, the best passing offense tool in the NFL right now in Justin Jefferson. And I think that the defense is absolutely a problem. It's absolutely a problem for the Vikings, but it doesn't need to be top 10. It just needs to be not terrible. And they have been terrible this year, and they have been not terrible this year. If they can channel the not terrible version in the playoffs, I think they have a fighting chance. Luke, give us a sample of the back and forth with Bukowski, and people <laughs> can go listen to the whole show. Yes. We got, uh, so on a Locked On podcast, usually we're supposed to get to an ad every 10 minutes. We did not get to our first one until 20 in. And we were like, oh God, we have to talk about the rest of the stuff in the show. Oh, it yeah. It was great. It's oh, one fantastic. of my favorite shows I've done. Um, his I'm, I'm, I'm sure Built Bar and Manscaped uh, understand. I'm, I'm sure that they... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to report you for your poor formatics. Ross, Ross Jackson's going to yeah. get in your full. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ro Ross is going to get in my face. Uh, no, so... His main point was basically like EPA yards per play, DVOA, these total metrics that suggest that the Vikings are closer to average. And I, I pressed him on like, okay, how many wins do you think the Vikings should have? And his answer was seven to nine. He thinks the Vikings should be around a 500 team. Um, which is funny because if they had like eight or nine wins, they'd still be leading the division. But, <laughs> uh, but you said that, right? I didn't. I, Always think of the good rebuttals it. after the fact, right? Wow. That's wow. the that is the one I thought of like an hour later. Like, ah. Yeah. But my main retort was okay, 
well, first off, they're a way different team than they were in the first six weeks. And that sample includes some things that I don't think like the first six weeks are particularly representative of the Vikings. I think they have things like the Dallas game in them. They have that kind of stinker in them. Um, but that's also like a huge outlier, right? So I was like, hey, do you believe that outliers probably shouldn't be seen as like representative of the entire sample? Then why are we doing this thing that overreacts so much to the the Cowboys game too? Um, and there's kind of all these ways you, if you, if you take a total metric that takes all of the entire season, you can kind of say, okay, who are the Vikings really? What game are the Vikings really? You could argue they're the Colts game or are they the Bills game or are they the Commanders game or are they the Lions game? Like who are they really? Um, and I think that might be a more interesting way to truly assess who the Vikings are and try to understand who they are, but also that there are things that they do on the margins that they've done consistently all year that help a lot in these close game scenarios, like manage the clock such that the other team very rarely gets a quality opportunity to score and beat them. In fact, there's only been one situation in all of these close games where the other team has had an opportunity to score and beat them instead of score and tie. Uh, and that was against the Bears, where they had like a minute and a half and I think one timeout with, uh, or no, that was to tie. They were down seven. Yeah. Um, there was one, the Jets. The Jets were the, the ones that the Vikings were up five and they had a chance to get a touchdown and actually win. Ended in an interception. The rest of them were, you know, 25 seconds, no timeouts. You're just barely trying to get a field goal to tie. Um, and those situations have like the Vikings have been really good at setting themselves up to have the high ground in those situations. It doesn't guarantee yep. a win, but it certainly has been an advantage. Um, and in situations where the clock matters, they seem to be doing better. Um, they Justin Jefferson is like, I think the second best receiver against man coverage in separation. I think that was a Matt Harmon stat I saw or something like he's very good against man coverage. Well, what do you see in third down situations, in fourth quarter situations more often? You see more cover one. That's what defenses like to do. They keep it simple and they they go for that. So there's that also to take into account. And I think when when the main point that somebody is sticking to is just the total metrics, um, then I think there's a lot of other stuff you can kind of ask, okay, well, then why do you think that is, right? Okay, their record does not match their total metrics. We all want to know why, right? I think there's answers to that. And that there's, will those answers continue? Do they help us predict? I don't know. The clock management stuff isn't part of those metrics because it doesn't tend to be that helpful in terms of predicting. If you're trying to figure out betting market stuff and all that stuff, we're going a different way than that. But if we're just trying to figure out, okay, why have the Vikings won more games than like their EPA suggests? I think the answers to that question are like really interesting. And I think with Peter, his answer to that is, well, they've gotten lucky. That's missing quite a bit. <laughs> uh, go check out Locked on Vikings, Locked on Packers crossover, Luke Braun, Peter Bukowski. We're going to get Ron Johnson's take on this after I tell you about Bet Online, which brings you today's show. Bet Online is your top source for sports betting info. As we talk about the betting markets, uh, the Vikings are underdogs in Green Bay. No surprise there. I guess they are three and a half point dogs, 47 and a half, the over under in about a 35 degree Lambeau field on Sunday afternoon. Get that line in all the lines from all the games, bowl season and NFL. Hey, the final line on Gophers today, taken on Syracuse, minus nine and a half for Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl. You can get all of that at Bet Online. 
on your mobile device as well. It's Bet Online. It's where the game starts. He hosts the Ron Johnson Show. He's on Twitter at three Ron Johnson. He joins us now as he does every Thursday. Ron, let me just dive right in. Uh, I don't know if you saw this viral video on Twitter. Locked on Packers host Peter Bukowski. We know him. We love him. Uh, but he posted a long video declaring the Vikings to be frauds ahead of the Vikings-Packers game. He posts a lot of stats about uh, why that's the case. And we are offering our individual rebuttal for why the Vikings aren't frauds. Uh, would you like to weigh in on that, Ron? Yeah, first of all, I would like to say um, <clears throat> Luke Braun and Peter uh, Bukowski. Bukowski, how you say it? Bukowski. Bukowski. We've had him on the show, Bukowski. by the way. Bukowski, I know. We've had him on your show, yeah. I know. And, and I'm and I'm looking forward to having him back because uh, – the Packers are going to have a, a short off season, so he's going to need something to do because there's nothing to talk about when your season ends uh, in January. So um, we welcome you onto the playoff Vikings uh, podcast. Um, but this is what I'll say, honestly, and no shade at uh, Peter, but that's a metric of a person who's never really put blood, sweat and tears into the sport. Uh, with all sports, there has to be some form of, and this is not luck. Like, David Tyree was on our show, one of the best catches in NFL history. Was it luck? Yeah, but was there skill involved? Hell yeah. There's no way you don't have the skill and the ability to catch a ball and be able to pin it to your helmet while another guy is pulling it from you. And David Tyree said, he said his catch was the best. He said Justin Jefferson next and then Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham's one-handed catch. Luck? Hell yeah. It has to be the perfect ball, the perfect spot, the perfect, like, hit your hands. Like, if it hits here, you don't catch it. But it has to hit the perfect spot for you to grip it and catch it. But then there's skill involved in that. The way the Vikings are winning, there's skill involved in that. So you have to have the skills and the abilities to do what they're doing. And and he's like, oh, data. Well, I, I, I love, um, I forgot the rapper. Uh, oh, oh, little Dicky. Um, where he goes off when he's in London and he's like, data? Is it data? Is it data? I don't know. I don't know. Is it data? He wants data or data? I don't know. But here, here I'll give him, I'll give him some data and data. In the fourth quarter, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is 110 for 168, 65% completions. His 1,283 yards are first. His 12 touchdowns are first. His three interceptions are low. His 13 sacks are the third most. So it's not like a clean pocket where they're like, oh, Kirk Cousins needs a clean pocket to be great. No, he's getting hit the third most amount of times. He's getting pressured the most. 59 first downs, tied for second. 104 pass rating fifth. But let's drill it all the way down. Let's go because he wants some data or some data. Here's some data for you. Let's go even drill it down. Fourth quarter, third down. Fourth quarter, money down. 66 plays. 5.2 yards per play. So every two plays are getting a first down. We've already talked about Kevin O'Connell's first and second down offense. 29 first downs. That's tied for second. Is eight touchdowns first. That's on third down, people. On third down, Kirk Cousins is putting the ball in the end zone. 49 passes, second most. 16 rushes, 15th least. So on third down, what does that mean? The 49 passes, the 16 rushes, you know they have to pass. So they're just beating people up. They're, they're literally saying it's third and seven. You know we're going to pass. And we're still beating you. You know I have to throw the ball. And I'm still beating you. Kevin O'Connell's offense is still beating you. And if I recall, the Packers lost to the Vikings. So was that luck? Or did they just beat them up? Like, people, 
like that. I get it. They have a job to do. They love their Packers. They everybody. Channing Crowder got on ESPN. We we see Emmanuel Acho going fire. Every network, everybody is saying some some form or fashion of fraud or or whatever. At the end of the day, stats don't lie. When are you clutch? Third quarter, sorry, fourth quarter, third down. Kirk Cousins, thirty for thirty nine, seventy seven percent completions. That's First among among active quarterbacks right now. First. Seven touchdowns. That's first. His one interception. One. His 130.9 passer rating is first among active quarterbacks. So that's Tom Brady. That's Joe Burrow. That's Justin Herbert. That's Russell Wilson. We know it's better than him. We know that. He got his coach fired. Uh, who else is out there? Two attack of Iowa. Uh, Aaron, you're Aaron Rodgers in this ayahuasca. Like, <laughs> you took ayahuasca, and from what I hear, you should be able to see the future. How do you not know this season's going to turn out the way it's going to turn out after taking ayahuasca? <laughs> like, I've, I've heard that you have this journey. So he knew. That's why he didn't show up. After he took the ayahuasca, he knew what the season was going to be like. That's why he didn't show up. That's why he, the minute... The receivers mess up. He's like, I already had a vision. I knew they weren't going to be in their playbooks. Get in your playbooks. I knew it. Like, he knew what this season was going to be. And he knows they're going to go out and lose to the Vikings this weekend. Like, he knows that. He knows that. And then he's going to go call his boy Derek Carr and say, hey, man, we should just switch. I need Devontae back. You need to change the scenery. Let me get to Las Vegas. That way Pat McAfee can do his show with me in Vegas. Like, come on now. Peter Bukowski, hey, great job. You're going viral. There's data out there. Or data, whichever one you want. It's out there. You just don't want to look at it. Well done. Well done, Ron. You ever done WWE? I think you've got, or I guess it's going to be NWA now, right? I think you've got some mic skills or AEW. Seriously. Yeah. I like that. Sign me up. You've got four or five jobs already, Ron. Let's add another one on top of it. Hey, Um, if you can get going there on wrestling, I could definitely get out there on the wrestling circuit. Yeah. Put me out there. So so you, you foresee a Vikings win over the Packers. How do you think it goes down? Uh, I, I think this is the thing. Kirk Cousins now understands how important these next two games are. Kevin O'Connell understands how important the next two games are. The Packers 3-4 defense does give teams trouble. But what, is, what do the Vikings do well against gap integrity type of defense? Meaning the 3-4, you have to be very gap sound. And if you're not, there's a lot of creases. I think Dalvin Cook should, should have a decent day on the ground. Uh, but I also think some of the quick passes – because what's going to happen is, and we saw this last time, Jameer, uh, Jair Alexander, oh, if you put me on Justin Jefferson, we don't have this issue. Well, he's going to find ways to try to find Justin Jefferson, and he's going to overfind it. Like, I think they're all going to overthink trying to stop J.J., and that's going to leave T.J. Hawkinson and K.J. Osborne open on a lot of plays that Kirk has to mentally get away from, like, J.J. needs this record. Don't force it, because K.J. and T.J. are going to be open. Don't worry about J.J., because you got A.J., that's Adam Thielen, because his middle name is John. So there's a lot of J's in this. JJ, KJ, AJ. I mean, come on now. And, and so DJ. when you DJ. DJ. Yeah. And CJ. DJ. You got CJ and DJ. Dalvin James Cook. So <laughs> yes. man, it's out there. You got CJ, DJ, TJ, KJ, AJ, and JJ. You can't stop it. It's their day. That's all I'm saying. It's the flying J's. Hey. The flying J's. Instead of the flying V, the flying J's. They're gonna fly it for those that don't know sign language. <laughs> um, but this is where I go with that. 
that's what that's what's going to take to win. They're going to overthink stopping Justin Jefferson because we know Jair Alexander has been really emotional. You watch his post-game pressers. You watch the post-game presser after the Vikings one. You know, he even said it. Him and JJ got into a Twitter battle. Oh, he a little boy. He a little boy. And Justin Jefferson took it personal as if, like, like I don't understand how somebody calls you a little boy makes you want to get on Twitter and say, what, who a little boy? I ain't no little boy. Like, bruh, come on, man. See me in the tunnel. Like, that's where I went with. I'm 6'3", 230 pounds. See me in the tunnel. Call me a little boy to my face and see what happened after the game. <laughs> we ain't got refs. And then you tell me if you really think I'm a little boy. Like, come on. But I get it. This is this is the day and age we're in now where everything's accessible. Everybody can touch each other on Twitter. Uh, but but that's what I think requires a win. And then defensively, and this is what this defense has been. Bimba don't break. Bimba don't break. Last week, they only gave up th- that 33-point whatever. They only gave up one touchdown. One touchdown in that 33 points the coach scored. That was a punt block. That was errors. That was an interception for a touchdown. That was not all on the defense. That's why I'm so annoyed when I see people bring up the 33 points and not drill down what actually happened. That wasn't the defense. They gave up one touchdown. So I love I love Channing Crowder, and I'm trying to get him on my pod because we have Ryan Clark on, so we might as well go get the rest of the pivot boys. But you have to understand it wasn't just Kirk Cousins in the offense. Yes, he didn't put up any points in the first half, but in the fourth quarter, or sorry, in the second half, over 400 yards. You, it's got to go for something. Like, you can't have one without the other. You can't say, oh, they sucked in the first half, but they, they were really good in the second half. Like, come on now. Like, look at look at the Dolphins. One and seven in 2021, finish eight and seven. Now look at the Dolphins. Start off eight and three, they're back to eight and seven. So you, you, you got to weigh it the same. They were really bad and they became good. They were really good and now they're bad. Like, you can't pick and choose when you want to use metrics. And that's what people are doing. Oh, the Vikings suck, 33 to... But yeah, they also put up 400 yards in the second half. There's your data or your data. I don't know, whatever you want, Peter Bukowski. Like, name another team that put up over 400 yards in the, in the second half of a game. I'm pretty sure there's none. Like, there is. Is there one other one? I know. I don't think there is. Yeah, I, saying, I think, I think the Vikings point. are the only team to put up 400 plus yards in a half. So, yeah, they had a bad half. But then they had a really good half, a great half, a historic half. Like, come on. Like, the Giants, they got a ring. My dad always told me that. Rest in peace. This is Jersey behind me. At some point in the show, I got the helmet over here signed by all the 1978 Steelers. So if you remember those names, some beasts on that helmet. That's a steel curtain helmet behind me. But this is what my dad would always tell me. The the Oilers game, where they said the guy might have been out of bounds. My, My dad was covering them. I, I joked my dad all my life, like, dude, he caught that ball. Like, you, you shouldn't have this ring. But what he said was, things like that have to happen to win championships. The 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 L.A. Uh, Rams game, I think, same thing. Cowboys game, same thing. It was always my dad. So I'm like, dude, what are you doing in the coverage? Like, I, I forgot if it's Drew Pearson or who runs by. Guy in the back of the end zone, I think Dallas Cowboys, drops the ball. The tight end is wide open, drops the ball. I think they were in cover four, though, but my dad's the guy running by, so PFF would have said it's his fault. But <laughs> he drops the ball. Mel Blunt tells me this to this day. Hey, look, we might have blown the coverage, but the dude dropped the ball. You need that in order to win championships. So you can say what you want Point. about the Vikings. You can say what you want about the Giants. They needed that helmet catch to win the Super Bowl and beat the 18 and whatever old Patriots. Like, it is what it is, people. Like, you could go back and forth all day like Peter Bukowski and talk about data. The data's out there. 
it's out there. You just don't want to find it because I mean, I don't know if anybody's seen the bird box movie with, with, with Sandra Bullock and she's out there, you know, you can't look and you got to wear blindfolds. But if you, if you see it, you want to kill yourself. Like that's how Peter Bukowski is. Like he's Sandra Bullock when it comes to looking for Viking stats. Like I, I don't, I don't see any Viking stats out here. Where are the, where are the Viking stats? Like that's, that's Peter Bukowski. Whenever, whenever somebody brings up Vikings data, I don't see it. I, Kirk Cousins, what are you talking about? He's the number one quarterback in the fourth quarter. I, I can't see it. Like, come on, man. It's the bird box effect for the Packers. That's that's what they want to do right now. That's that's awesome. Bron, what do you have anything for Ron? I don't know what to follow that up with. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. <laughs> that was great. Um I, I just I just think Luke's happy to no longer be the uh the subject the most hated. I know. I, yeah. I am yeah, happy exactly. yeah. that this is pointed at someone else this time. <laughs> hey, we're all on the same team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like when Iron Man and, and Captain America finally like buried the hatchet, you know. And, <laughs> there and, and it is. I forgot which one. It was when they, it was like one of the early ones before they became the Avengers, and they were beefing on the deal. And he's like, "Let's go toe to toe." He's like, "You don't want to go toe to toe with me. Put the suit on. Put the suit." On. And they're about to fight, and then they blow up the thing. And he's like, "Put the suit on." He's like, "Okay, I know." Like they're boys now. Like that's that's how I feel <laughs> yeah. about Luke Bryan. When yeah. when Peter Bukowski shows up, he, he he's like Loki, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> We have a common enemy. I love right. how you refuse to compare him to Thanos. Oh, he's not Thanos. He's he's not Thanos. No, yeah, no, no, no. He's Loki. Perfect villain for this one. Yeah, he's right. he's not Thanos. He's the trickeration <laughs> and hiding and putting fake selves up. Of no, Thanos is like no, heck no. He'd never be Thanos. Like I, I like I don't know. You guys don't have kids. Uh, Luke does. So or sorry, Sam does. So he might know this. But I don't know if you ever watched like the. I think it's called like Ladybug. You know, like he, oh, he's, oh, like yeah, Netflix. it's like that really cute, the little cartoon. Yeah, that yeah. that's what Peter Bukowski is. He, <laughs> he's, he's like the villain that takes little butterflies and turns people into other villains. Like he's like the cute, like you know, Disney Plus villain. Like that's that's what he reminds. He he's like the villain to Puss in Boots. You know, like that's what he reminds me of. Like when Puss in Boots when he first was trying to be bad and he was like. And he pulls out his sword, and it's like also cute. And, and Shrek's like, "Oh, look at him!" Like that's that's Peter Bukowski. He's like little puss in boots right before he became, you know, nice. I guess he he's definitely not Thanos. Thanos was a G. Thanos would snap <laughs> his finger and kill half the world. Peter Bukowski won't do that. That's <laughs> if Peter Bukowski. I'm, I'm so like, excited. and even if he if he ever got the glove, like if Peter Bukowski ever got the glove of Thanos to snap his fingers, the only thing he would like wish to disappear were like Kirk Cousins stats. Cause he'd be like, then people would know I'm a fraud. Like he would snap his fingers and we all be looking like, okay, what? nothing disappeared. Like where, what did he just snap for? And then all of a sudden we go online and we like start Googling stuff. And we're like, wait, where Kirk Cousins stats go? Like where, where's that fourth quarter comeback? Where, where's that 130.9 passer rating? Oh, Peter Bukowski snapped his finger. Like that's all that would disappear. I'm so it excited me, to post this on Twitter. This is so good, man. <laughs> Thanks, it villain. reminds me of that stat everybody talked about last year that was like if you took out the last two minutes of halves the vikings would have been 15 and 2 right oh, yeah like dumb, and everybody's like what the, well, the, you can't take out the two minutes of halves though that happened like they did really <laughs> bad stuff there right and it's like yeah if you take out fourth quarters with the vikings would be like five and 13 or whatever well yeah. you can't do that <laughs> luke can you do math five and 13 no <laughs> long season <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was the fraud the whole time. 
It's like an episode of Scooby Doo. Luke's gonna pull off his mask and be Peter Bukowski <laughs> under there. <laughs> Arif, you're the one with the mask. Do you have that with you? Oh, I didn't bring the mask with me. Oh no. Oh. Uh, well, I don't know how to talk more Vikings after that. Should we talk about Gopher? Your Gopher's playing about two hours, Ron. How are you gonna yep. watch the game? Uh, I invited a bunch of friends over. Uh, waiting on the like. This is what I hate about people too. Is when you say, "Hey, we'll host." Let us know who's coming so we know how much food to get. Like, people slow roll it as if, like, I want to run to the store at 1235. Like, let me know how many bags of chicken I need to get, how many fries we need to take out the freezer. I did go buy eight pizzas for the buy one, get one. Uh, they don't mm -hmm. sponsor us, so I can't tell where they are and which pizzas mm -hmm. I bought. But I did go get eight of the BOGOs. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to throw some pizzas in. We're going to have some wings. We're going to have some fries. Uh, my daughters, some of their friends are going to come over. And we're just going to. You know, hang out in in the house and watch the game, and uh, I'm excited. Like I'm excited. I, I need the Gophers to win by ten to fifteen points, and this is why because I feel like if they are up in the fourth quarter by that much, Tanner Morgan will get a chance to hand the ball off a couple times to whether it's Trey Potts, Mo Ibram, whoever, because right. uh, I think that's the swan song that people want. Sure, you don't have money on it. That sounds like about the, yeah, 10 the to betting line. Is very specific. Yeah, that's very specific. <laughs> hey, hey, whether I got a parlay out there or not, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> I need 10, though. <laughs> I hope I, I see 10. Tanner as well. Wing, I, I hope I'm, I also I'm see I'm going to be cheering for 13-point lead specifically just Thank for you, Ron. You. Thank yeah. you. I need that. 10 uh, is like, okay, I got it. 13 is comfortable. I can sit back with old-fashioned at that point. <laughs> and just uh, pray for no, like, bad beat where they, oh, yeah. like, the Gophers, like, throw an interception at the end of the game that doesn't matter. Like, why would you let Tanner <laughs> throw the ball? Just take a knee. <laughs> Uh, you can hear him on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the Roundtable. He's Ron Johnson at three. Ron Johnson Roundtable tomorrow. We'll make our Vikings Packers final predictions. Thanks a lot, Ron. No, thank you. Enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to uh, watching Peter Bukowski eat crow. Uh, we have a bunch of those up here in Minnesota because U.S. Bank Stadium has killed some birds. So we, we'll send you some. It's got it's got a got a casualty count. <laughs> I think this could definitely stir up some Twitter beef. So get ready, Ron. Your mentions Perfect. are your mentions yeah. are going to explode. I'm ready. All well, right. Ron knows how to answer that by not answering at all. Apparently, right? Just leaving Twitter alone. <laughs> Take care, Ron. I should have worn my Avenger shirt today. Oh man. Oh my gosh, that that makes me Elite. feel bad as a podcaster that's been doing this for years. I'm never going to be that good. That was incredible. That was incredible. <laughs> Wonderful. Man, um, we spent Peter Bukowski. I guess he's living rent free because we yeah, he took spent, up the whole show. We've spent a good thirty minutes on you, Peter. Man, hey, it's promo. It's promo within the Lockdown Network too. This yep. is great. It is. Go listen to the crossover. I, I it, yes, check it out. Locked is it Locked on Vikings or Locked on Packers or both? Is it on both? It's both. Listen to Lockdown Vikings, please. Support Luke Braun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would say listen to Lockdown Packers because I, if Luke Braun has a worse time, I'm having a better time. It's like quantum entanglement. Yeah, that tracks. So I've got six categories. Um, give me your answer. Do it in quick fashion. I want your top moment of the season, rookie of the year, best coaching decision, best GM decision. Um, let's tee you up for... The rookie of the year. We'll start with that. Who is your Vikings rookie of the year? Uh, man, that's a – Greg Joseph's not even a rookie. Ryan Wright. There we go. Oh, yes, Ryan Wright. 
Yeah, wow, I, I was struggling for a second. Because <laughs> he has the body of like a 40-year-old dad. I forget he's a rookie. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect. I mean, he got he got called out on the sideline. I forget which Twitter account did that, but he got absolutely blown up. And Vikings Twitter came to the call and was like, that's Ryan Wright, you leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably the biggest cult following relative to his overall status. Yeah, but not relative yeah, to his stature, which is impressive. Yes, right. Status, not stature. I wrote down Asamoah, but I think you're yep. correct. You're right about right. Hey, I think of draft picks. Hot. Had a couple games. I think Asamoah. I think yeah, Asamoah no, has had, taken had the lead on Evans. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna make me look like I, I think I've been wrong in every Vikings drafted rookie so far. So this is this is fantastic. It's it couldn't be clearer to me that Asamoah is different than the other undersized coverage linebackers they've tried in the past. He's different than Surratt. He's different than Die. Like this is just a better player. Well, well Surratt was not undersized. He was like six four. Like that, we got to keep that in mind too. What he just played undersized? Yeah, no, no. He, he played. Un- yeah, okay, we're looking this up right now. Six. He was recruited twenty five. Yeah, he was. Re- he was recruited as a quarterback for a power five. Program. This place says tall. six two. I'm seeing six okay. two, six three range. All right, we're, we're we're gonna find the combine measurement for him. How does that sound? That'll settle it. All right, Asamoah is shorter. Easily, yeah. He's the same weight, though, 225. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, so officially listed at 6'3", combine measurement 6021, so 6'2 and one-eighth of an inch. I got I to gotta say, though, he was recruited as a Power 5 quarterback. Wasn't going to be small. It's so funny. There was there was a game between um, Virginia and North Carolina where Christian Derrissaw got Chaz Surratt a couple times, and it went oh, how you think that that would out go. of the screen. Right, like, like off and, the screen, and and, and like and, and like and it's like, like man, that's a lineman. Like he's kind of famous. Maybe that's unfair to Chad, sir. And it just wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't unfair. It was characteristic. Yeah, and both the thing of those is, guys. he almost he almost blew him out of the all twenty two screen. Like the guy yeah. is like <laughs> zooming out to make sure that he has all of Chad Surratt getting blocked thirty yards downfield. Meanwhile, it's like a run for eight yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Before funny. we continue with our end of the year awards, I do want to tell folks about Built Bar and the great new flavors you can find right now at Built.com. Just go to the homepage, Built.com. You can find Snickerdoodle Chunk, Cookie Dough, Coconut Brownie. You've also got their great new granola flavors as well, all of them featuring 100% real chocolate. These are the world's best protein bars revolutionizing nutrition. You absolutely have to get them at built.com right now. Do it today. Do it before they're all gone. They won't run out. What am I talking about? They'll never be all gone. Uh, There are so many flavors of built bars to try. Check them out at built.com. Get 15% off. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. So there's rookie of the year. Uh, We got through that. How about best coaching decision of the season? KOC, whether that's personnel or a play or a challenge what do you have mm, don't think there's a challenge in there that i would include so that one i think is off unless i'm just misremembering something uh, i think like okay particularly here's like this uh here's the one uh the broadcast and and this is recency bias i'm gonna fully admit it but the broadcast last week told a story again, during the giants game of, of koc pulling ed donatelli in going over the defensive film and saying this is how i would beat your defense fix this and that, to me, sounds like a phenomenal coaching decision because guess what Ed Donatel did? He fixed it. 
So uh, that that is my best coaching decision candidacy. I like that. Luke? Probably a clock management thing. But yeah, you were, you were just talking up his clock management. End yeah. of Washington game was really good. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll go with that one. The end of the Washington game. I was going to say just because it's the one that's freshest in my mind. The end of the Giants game, I thought was very interesting. That was done, um, that was done, yeah. Uh, if they didn't take this, like they took the sack and it kind of punished them for taking as much time off the clock as they did. But winning on a last second field goal when your opponent has two timeouts in their pocket is kind of insane. <laughs> um, using one to ice the kicker at the end, like Dable didn't use his two timeouts and didn't get the ball back. But I, I think the Washington games clock management, just giving them, they had like 12 seconds and no timeouts, like a very good uh, way to approach that game and be able to secure that three point win. Quick question about end of Vikings giants. So if the screen to Jefferson, let's say it gets them to the 46 instead of the 43. So then the field goal is 64. Uh, Or maybe it's even a little further back. Maybe it's the 48. Like, they're not going to send Joseph out. They have no timeouts. Do they... It's fourth down. Do they get up to the line and run a play? Do they try a Hail Mary in in hurry-up fashion? Or do they let the clock run out? Do they send Joseph out for a hurried 66-yard field goal? How would you approach that? Um, I Personally, I think what they would do, given kind of the history of of the way that they play my assumption is that they would uh they already had a hail mary called and that they would go into Mm. that uh throwing that hail mary that they had called two plays prior for the drive um it's just you know and again this is the broadcast influencing me because the broadcast mentioned that one thing adam thielen liked about uh the offense is that they 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 keep pressing when they have the advantage and they keep trying to build on their lead. That feels like exactly that kind of decision. I think the last thing they would do is run out the clock, but again, I don't know. Coaching decisions are inscrutable to me. <laughs> Best uh, GM decision. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Luke. No, no, keep going. Best GM decision. Hawkinson trade. Uh, that one's a good one. I think uh, signing Zadarius Smith, uh, I'm going to put just above that. That was a great decision. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with that. Um, Zadarius Smith just barely above the Hawkinson trade, but uh, Kwesi has been slam dunking on some pro personnel decisions. Now we need some of these rookies to come along. Yeah, th- those draft day trades are going to look real bad if these rookies don't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Um. The Hawkinson deal has had such a great impact relative to what they were doing at the tight end position before. But with Zedarius, if the alternative is a full season of DJ Wanham, it's pretty rough as well. That's pretty rough as well. So Mm -hmm. I I can't fault you there at all. Um, I would go with Hawkinson. How about the top moment of the season in a season full of crazy moments? Number one. All right, I think from a Vikings me. fan perspective, they're not going to pick the one that I pick, although I don't think they'll hate the one that I pick. Um, it's uh, the Josh Allen fumble in the end zone. Um, that, to me, characterizes the Vikings extremely well, right? Because, yeah, a lot of that has to do with luck, right? This is the conversation we've been having the entire show, that you know, it is unlikely that a quarterback is going to fumble in their own end zone. But also, how'd they get there? Uh, the Vikings put them in that position, right? A great Ryan Wright punt phenomenal uh, field position for the punt. Great job by the special teams unit to put them in that position. The only reason that they even needed to run a play is because the Vikings had them backed up. So um, the Vikings put them in a position where luck would help them out. 
luck obliged. And to me, uh, you know, that play kind of encapsulates that. That is also mine. I'm with you. Going with the same game, because that game was insane. Uh, but I'm going with the fourth and 18, because I'm going purely on vibes and emotions. That was, that is the play that I, like, if I'm, like, thinking about Vikings things that make me happy, that it's, like, the first thing that comes to mind. That play is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. So th- that was the, kind of the thing dealing yeah. with this award is, like, do I pick it, pick one that to me feels representative of the Vikings, or do I pick one that is just pure pure Vikings joy encapsulated? And, of course, they come from the same game. Yeah, I was torn. I think a hardcore diehard Vikings fan is watching the game, and, and the Jefferson catch happens. You jump up and down. You say, wow, what a catch. That guy's unbelievable. You see the fumble in the end zone, and you are, like, speechless because that doesn't happen in pro football. It just doesn't. Like, the rarity, the novelty of that is crazy. At least for me, that's how I perceived it. That was such a rare, unexpected event to turn a game on its head. Um, that That's why it stood out to me. Jefferson is such a close second. It's by fractional decimal points. All right. Offensive MVP, defensive MVP. Let's get offensive out of the way. Is anyone going to say that Kirk is is OMVP over uh, JJ? Uh, only only by like the raw, mere definition of value and position. I mean, it's boring to do that. Uh, you, yeah. you would always pick a quarterback. So I'm going to go with JJ. Absolutely. Okay. Honorable mention to... Uh, Darisaw, who has quite a yes. an impact on this team. Great, yes. great season. That's a great point. Okay, defensive MVP. I think this is actually a toss-up. I think you could go with a few guys. Um, Darius, I, I think. I'm going to go with Zadarius. I think Hunter has been playing I- extremely well. I think that the... Uh, th- this is so weird. People are now talking about how well Hunter's been playing all season. Luke and I have been on this train since, like, week right? three. Right? <laughs> He lives in the backfield. It's just like open <laughs> skinny post every play. Yeah. Uh, Hunter's right been playing away. really well. I don't think that he's necessarily playing better than Zedarius Smith, but it is entirely possible that he could have been playing better than Zedarius Smith. But Zedarius Smith racks up all the stats. But for a year-end award like this, I think ultimately you want to pick impact. And I think that what Zedarius Smith has done from an impact perspective, is bigger than, uh, I think, anyone else on the defense. We've seen some great moments from Harrison Smith. We've seen some phenomenal moments from Patrick Peterson. I think Smith has been a little bit more consistent, even if you can't always trust him in the run game, although these last five weeks against the run has been pretty good. Um, so I, I'm going to pick Smith. Yeah, you could make I, an argument that, like, Daniil Hunter has eaten a lot of chips and he's gotten a lot of protection slides and, like, in a way enabled Zedaria Smith. But for an award like this, you go to the guy that has had that impact. Yeah, I mean, the guy who makes the third and 15 happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, again, I'm going off of vibes. I like Patrick Peterson because his season is, it's a vintage callback to who he used to be at an increasing age where he repeatedly comes up with game-changing plays in the fourth quarter. Like, he is sort of the salvager of a bad defense in a lot of ways. Um, I think Daniil and Zedarius are certainly more impactful and consistent but Patrick Peterson has been he's reminded me a little bit of like this may fall flat on you guys I don't know how big of baseball fans you are it's like Torrey Hunter second go-round with the twins when he came in and sort of willed them to an unsustainably good season um I think that Patrick Peterson has has had a lot of impact on that defense on field and off field actually I want some money off that twins team so I actually know 
off of Luke, not you, Braun. The other one. <laughs> I would never bet on baseball. <laughs> Wouldn't be caught dead. I, I had. I, I think it was. We were. Uh, we were recording the previous version of this show. We were at the bar near uh, the the office that we were in, and the Twins were down. I think two runs uh, in the ninth, and I made a bet with Luke Inman. I don't know. The Twins have been doing this all season. I bet they're going to win this game, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> That was the last time Reef ever bet on baseball. And first. <laughs> yeah. one one. Batting a thousand, baby. <laughs> Quit Speaking of betting, betonline.net, we've got our uh, our wagering segment. We started the season with a thousand mythical dollars. All that matters now is how I do. <laughs> because I need max bet. Oh, God, I've heard of it. Max bet both weeks. I need to get them all. For me to have a chance i am about four thousand in the hole i have to be perfect so we start the wagering with luke inman he has sent in his picks and luke will go with vikings packers oh. over oh. 47 and a half god he takes it took my go to the board mm. next up that. is a reef oh and he puts uh 280 on it all right um, so I'm in second place now, right? Is that correct? You know, I don't actually have the, the numbers. You guys are all positive though. And I am very negative. Okay. I'm going to start with the assumption that I'm in second place. Obviously yeah. my priority is to not place last. So I'm not going to bet a lot, but the minimum you said is 170, right? It's basically correct. the weak number plus times 10. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm going to go, uh, 270 on the Rams chargers over. Oh, um, what's it? What are the odds on that? And what is the over? Minus, minus one ten. The over is forty three. Sorry. Thank you, Ron. You're next. Boy, did I forget that we were doing this segment? Um, <laughs> boy, did I ever forget? There are a couple of bets that I think I like a good bit. Um, I am going to place a little bit of faith in Mike White. Against a an ailing Seahawks defense, minus one at minus one twenty. I think they might be able to pull that one out, get the Seahawks uh, eliminated. I think, right? If they lose, uh, mm -hmm. I think the Seahawks are gone if they lose. Yeah, I'll put the minimum on it because I don't want Sam catching me. Yeah, probably not going to happen. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm only going, I'm going back to the well. I'm taking the under. On Thursday night, which has mm. worked for me every time, Cowboys-Titans, under 40, minus 110. That's a rough under, man. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> Thursday, it's Thursday night. It's Thursday 17, night. $1,700. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I skewed from this last week, and it burned me, so I'm going to go back to where I know, you know my, heart, my heart should be. I'm going to fade Deshaun Watson. I'm going to take mm. the Commanders with Wentz, which who can't possibly lose because he's the best quarterback ever, right, Arif? And I'm going to take Commanders minus one at minus 124. Wentz isn't even the second best tight end to play quarterback. That's that's on Logan the Thomas commanders. and Josh Allen. Yeah, <laughs> on the Commanders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad Luke knew where I was going with that. Yep. 
That's the only other one I can think of. Well, the other one's Josh Allen, right? Josh He's Allen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ron. All right, well, I know that it's the Broncos, and they tend to suck all the air out of games, but it's also the Chiefs who only inflate over-unders. Over-under there is 45. I'm taking the over. Uh, Patrick Mahomes over. Always feel good about that. Also, the Denver Broncos are going to have an offensive resurgence because they just fired their head coach, and it's the week after that, and there is some magic to be had there. So, over 45. Minus one ten, Broncos Chiefs. This is rough. The uh, the ones that I had isolated were Vikings, Packers, Broncos, Chiefs, and Browns Commanders. This is tough. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Um, oh, oh yeah, because he took the yeah, because because the over unders were taken. Yeah. Um. Huh. Okay. Um. Well, I might as well because uh, I could either take you know the the Forty Niners minus ten against the Raiders. That seems kind of fun to me. Um, you know, I don't trust Jarrett Stidham, but I'm, I, I want to have fun Monday night, Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals is going to be one of the games of the year. The fact that the Bengals it, and the Bills get to, pl- all of them have played each other. The, the Chiefs, Bengals and Bills all have like this fantastic, we're all fighting for the one seed type stuff. It's just going to be an exciting game. Um, I already picked an over under, so I have to pick the winner of this game. I'm going to go and it's a pick them. I'm going to go with the Bills, even though I just wrote an article over at Pro Football Network as to why the Bengals are set to take the top seed in the AFC. Um, Bills are minus 117. I'm going to take that at $200. Thanks, Arif. That takes Inman's top choice off the board, so he is forced to go with the Patriots. They are, I believe, minus three, unless that's changed. Uh, Last I looked, they were minus three against the the Bridgewater Dolphins. At plus Plus 100. 100. Yeah. yeah, so he doesn't even have to pay the, juice. the money. And that is going to be $280 for Luke Inman. So those are the picks. Does he know he's betting against Teddy? I don't know. Teddy, oh, yeah, te- that's why. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, oh, I should have gone with Teddy Spreadwater. Oh, well. Has, has he been Teddy Spreadwater after the Saints? Because I know with the Vikings he was, with the Saints he was. But since then, I don't know. I kind of doubt it. But... I think he was with Carolina, yes. Oh, okay. Only Early on with Carolina, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then Faded late. he only played three quarters of a game against us, right? That was all he played for Miami? Or did he play but a couple he, other ones? Didn't he play for the Broncos? I'm trying to remember all the places he's played. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought he did, though, this season, Luke. Did he cover? I thought, co- not he, about covering. I thought he played. Yeah. You, oh, right, because he played all the other times, too. It was out. Yeah. Yeah. Skyler Thompson did like one frequency. game and change. Yeah. Fun show, gentlemen. Um, Peter Bukowski, you're welcome for the free exposure. Um, well, you can send that check in the mail anytime. It's the Minnesota Football <laughs> Party. that out to Arif Hassan. Uh, Don't do that, Bur- Peter. Burlington, well, no, do that. Vermont. <laughs> Burlington, it'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Arif. Thanks, Luke Braun. Uh, We'll be back in 2023. Happy New Year to everyone. We'll break down Vikings-Packers next Tuesday, and we will talk to you then on the Minnesota Football Party. So long. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.